Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. pause and pray together again. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would reveal our Father's heart to us today. Give us a clearer glimpse of our Father's heart. Amen. We've been looking at some of the stories or parables that Jesus told while he was teaching. And the story that we're looking at today is a story that illustrates the amazing love, and I mean amazing love, 
that God has for us, for His children. Now, in the story, as you just heard, there's a man who has two children, two sons, and each of these sons, in different ways, does certain things that break their father's heart. And even though they break his heart, the father never stops loving his children. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, would you please hear this? The father never stops loving his children. Now let's look first at the love that the father has for the younger son. Verse 12 says, the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And, you know, Greek scholars will tell us that that verb give there, that it's in the imperative tense. And what that means is that the son is not asking, all right? This is not a a polite request for something. No, he is demanding. He's saying, you give me my share. And and Bible Bible commentators have often pointed out that by demanding his share of the inheritance while the father is still living, Basically, that's like saying to his father, I wish you were dead. It's like, can you imagine, can you imagine calling your parents on the phone and saying, you know, um, how much life insurance do you have? I'd really like to collect on your life insurance policy. It's like saying, I wish you were dead. He's, he, by, by doing this, he's, he's communicating to his father. He's saying, listen, dad, I do not care about you. I only care about what you can give me, right? That's just... That's shocking. Now, amazingly, in the, in the story, after being treated this way, the father gives his son what he's asking for. He just gives him the money. End of verse 12. So he divided the property between them. He gave, he gave, them his, he gave him his share of the inheritance. And uh, what did the son do as soon as he gets the money? You just heard the story. He, uh, as soon as he got the money, he packed up and left town. He's like, I, I want to get as far away from this old man as I possibly can. He, he just leaves town, and then, as we know, he wasted the inheritance, and not by making a bad investment. No, uh, end of verse 13 said, he squandered his wealth in wild living. Well, he finally hit bottom, you know, as, as people do. He ran out of money, he ran out of friends, he ran out of food, and uh, it's, that's when he came to his senses and he decided he would go back home. And I guess you could say that that's the point in the story where he repented. But if you look at this, there's something very unsatisfying about the repentance. It's not, it's not the most sincere Repentance. When he decides to go home, what, what, is this, what is this young man thinking about? Is he reflecting on how much pain he's brought to his father? Is, is he lamenting the disgrace he brought on his family name? Is he saying, oh man, I miss my dad. I wish I could just be with my father. What's he thinking about? He's, he's thinking about how to get some food. Verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said, how how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving. I know what I'll do. He says, I'll set set out, go back to my father. This is what I'll say. I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Make me like one of your well-fed servants. In other words, he's going to go back and say, Dad, give me some food. 
And what's disappointing about this is when, when this young man left home, he was showing that he cared more about what his father could give him than he did about his father. As he returns home, he's still mainly interested in what his father can give him. I mean, he's saying all the right words. He has this little memorized speech. But Jesus, the details Christ gives us shows us his real motivation is food. I mean, why would, what would you compare that to? Imagine, imagine there's a single mother who has worked so hard to take care of her children for years. She's worked, sometimes worked two jobs, worked weekends to provide for her kids. Finally, she makes a decision to dip into her retirement account so she can send her son to college. She, she takes the money out, writes off the check, sends him away to university, and the kid never goes to class, never does his homework, just hanging out, goofing off with his friends. Finally, he gets expelled, right? He gets kicked out of school as he's riding the Greyhound bus home from the university that, you know, that has just expelled him, the university that now has his mother's retirement funds. He's, he's looking out the window at the, at the scenery passing by, and, and imagine... Rather than thinking about how he's hurt his mother, he's wondering what he could say to her so she will loan him the car that weekend. Now, I, I may be overstating it, and, and I don't want to be unfair to the, the, the guy in the parable, but isn't that kind of what he's doing here? It's kind of what he's doing. It's just, it, it's, he's repenting, but it's half-hearted repentance. And before we all beat the guy up, Let's be honest, have you ever been half-hearted in your repentance? I couldn't count how many times. Have you ever confessed a sin just knowing, I'll probably commit it again next week? Or we have our time of confession, you know, God, God just put me down for the usual. It's the same as every week, right? How does God respond when, we, when our repentance isn't even as pure as it ought to be? Well, you want to see some amazing love? It says in verse 20, while this young man was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with disgust, with disdain, with disappointment. No, his father was filled with compassion for him. That word for compassion in the Greek, it's a word that it, it, it's, it's describing deep, deep emotion, so deep you feel it in your body. It's just, it's, it's the word usually in the New Testament. It's used to describe the way Jesus felt when he saw broken people, when he saw sinful people, rejected people, or people who were physically suffering. He just felt this deep, deep concern for their pain. The father sees the son. That's what he's filled with. It says he ran to his son. And you know, some Bible commentators will tell us that in the, in the uh, ancient Near East, it was not running, was not something that uh, adult men would normally do, especially wealthy landholders. It was kind of undignified to run. Children would run. Servants would run, but not, not men of social standing. And this dad apparently is like, I don't care. I don't care what the neighbors say. I don't care what anyone thinks. That's my boy going to go find him, right? He runs to him, throws his arm around him, and it says he kissed him. Before he could say a word, he kisses him. Now, the young man tries to recite his memorized speech. He gets about halfway through, uh, but before he could finish, the father cuts him off, right? And he says to his servants, quick, 
Bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf, kill it, let's have a feast and celebrate. He says, for this son of mine was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. Isn't that just amazing? And I'll tell you what, what moves me, what moves me um, most about this story is not the things that the father did for his son when he returned. What moves me most is, is something that the father did not do. Did you, did you notice the father never asked any questions? He didn't say, son, where have you been? Son, what have you been doing? Son, what about the money I gave you? How much is, is left? Son, I heard a rumor that you've been hanging out with prostitutes. Is that true, son? Did you have sex with them? You, you know how your mother and I raised you? Did you have sex before marriage? I need to know the details. I need to know. He didn't ask a single question. He didn't even care to know. He just threw his arms around his boy and he said, son, welcome home. Welcome home. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're home. That's all I care about. You're with me now. Isn't that amazing? Now, let me ask you a question. It's a personal question. Don't ask out loud, but don't give yourself the Sunday school answer. Don't give yourself the answer that you know you're supposed to say. Be honest with yourself. Here's the question. Do you, do you believe God loves you that way? Doesn't care where you've been. Doesn't care what you've done. Just at your home. You've come back to him. Do you really believe that? Listen, here's why I ask that. Because... Jesus said, that's the way God loves you. The apostles taught, that's the way God loves you. The, the, believer in Christ, listen to these words from, from Ephesians 2. It says, God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace you have been saved. Amen? That means if you've just come home, even though your repentance is perhaps not everything it ought to be, even though you don't understand even a fraction of how much your sins have hurt the Father, His arms are around you and He says, welcome home. He loves you. So we see this amazing love first uh, for the Father's love for the younger son, but, you know, we also see here the father's love for the older son. Now, the older brother in this story, he wasn't like, he wasn't like the younger one. I mean, the older, the older brother, he never, he never wasted the father's money, right? He never ran away from home. He, he never brought shame on the, on the family's name. But if you look at this, just like, just like the younger brother, he... He broke his father's heart. Verse 25 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called out one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Verse 28 says, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. He refused to go into the father's house. 
Now, I know, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound as scandalous, right? It doesn't sound as scandalous as what the younger brother did. But if you think about it, it had the very same effect. When, when the younger brother ran away from home, what did he do? He cut himself off from the father's presence. When the older brother refused to join the party, he also cut himself off from the father's presence. Exact same effect. They both cut themselves off from the Father, one through his sinfulness, one through his self-righteousness, but they both separated themselves from the Father. In fact, some people would want to make the case that in this parable, the older son was actually more distant from the Father than the younger son was. If you look at this parable, the words that are spoken, in this parable, the younger son, he says the word Father. Five different times. Even when he was in a distant country, he was still talking about and thinking about his father. It's like that old Willie Nelson song, You Were Always On My Mind. Even in the distant country, his, his father was still on his mind. Did you notice the older son? He never says the word father even once. And, and something we learn from this parable is that sometimes people who appear to be close to God right? People who are in church, people who are behind pulpits. So sometimes people who appear to be close to God are actually farther away from him than people whose lives appear very, very messed up. You saw that in verse 1 and 2. When the Messiah came into the world, who was it that flocked to him, gathered around him? It says in verse 1, the tax collectors and the sinners. Who were those who stood at a distance, murmuring about how they didn't like him? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So in, in the parable, the older brother also separated himself from the father. The older brother just as the younger brother did, he broke his father's heart. And here's the point I want us to see. The father loved the older brother too. He loved him too in all of his grumpiness and all of his arrogance, all of his self-righteousness. So if you'll notice in the parable, just as the father went out to meet the younger son when he was returning home, in the same way, the father also went out he went out to seek the older brother as well. Verse 28 says, the older brother became angry, refused to go in, so his father, what? Sat home and said, well, just stay out there and pout. No. The father went out to him and pleaded with him. That word pleaded, you can, you can translate that. He entreated him. He called to him. He appealed to him. Some would translate that. He begged him. He said, oh, son, please, don't stay out here in the cold don't stay out here all by yourself. Please come and join the party. You can sit next to me. I want you with me. The father loved the older son too. Now, um, sometimes we can forget this and we say, I don't want to be the older brother in this story. There's a, very famous, there's a very famous book about this parable that was written by a Christian author named Henry Nouwen. The name of the book is The Return of the Prodigal Son. And in the book, he, Henry Now, he talks about how one day he saw a painting that was based on this parable that was done by Rembrandt, and it just it grabbed his heart. He was so fascinated by this painting that he began to really, really study this parable in depth. I mean, for years, he studied it. He read commentaries about it. He 
prayed about it. He reflected on it. He journaled about it. He just, he spent years focusing on this parable as a spiritual discipline. And he was just amazed how he felt that he could identify with the younger son. He just said, I'm, I'm just like that, the prodigal son. I feel like I've drifted from God, and he's given grace to me, and it was very meaningful. And so one day, after about 10 years of this kind of reflection, he was talking to a friend of his, and he said to her, you know, I just love the, the parable of the prodigal son. I just, I identify so much with the younger brother. And his friend said to him, you know, Henry, that's funny. I always thought of you as more like the older brother. <laughs> And like a good older brother, he was incensed at that. How dare you call me the older brother? But he began to think about it, and he said, you know what? She's right. I'm actually more like the older brother. So how, how do you know? How do you know if you're like the older brother? If you, how do you know if you're struggling for, the, some call it the older brother syndrome? Here, let me give you six questions real quick. <laughs> Six questions real quick to help you to see if you're, if you're sliding into this, this way of relating to God. Six questions. First question, do you sometimes feel resentful or envious when God blesses other people in ways that you think they don't deserve? Right? You, you gave him the fattened calf. Question number two. Do you ever feel like God owes you more in life than what he's given you? You only gave me a, you never gave me a small goat, right? Question number three, do you frequently find yourself talking about other people's sins or failures or shortcomings? Do you gossip? You know, in the parable, if you think about it, how in the world did the older, how did the older brother know that his baby brother had wasted the money and been with prostitutes. I mean, it's not like the kid posted that on Facebook. How did he know? He must have been talking. Hey, have you heard about my brother? What's he up to? Tell me, tell me the latest dirt, right? Do you do that? Question number four. Do you find yourself serving God more out of a sense of duty and obligation than out of a sense of gratitude and joy? No, notice... Notice the, the older brother's words to his father. He says, I have been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders. Your orders? Right? Question number five. Be honest on this one. Are you, are you apathetic? Or are you just generally apathetic about the physical and spiritual needs of others? There's lost people around. Yeah, that's all right. There's poor people around. Yeah, I don't really care. Notice in this parable, the father, he cares so much about the lostness of the younger son. He's out there waiting, watching. When he's far away, he's already seeing him. The older brother, he doesn't even know his younger brother came home until someone tells him. He's like, I didn't care. He, wasn't, he didn't have any concern about that. Question number six. Do you ever feel like maybe anger is your default emotion. I mean, you're always angry about something, angry about those Republicans, angry about those Democrats, angry about the millennials, angry about Generation Z, angry about the traffic, angry about the church. Are you just so, are you always angry? So listen, if you feel like you have to say yes to some degree to some of those questions, um, 
It might be that you're sliding into acting or relating to God like the older brother. And, and, and it's important to see that because, listen, sometimes, sometimes it's easier for younger brothers to come back to the father than it is for older brothers. Because if you're the, if you're the younger brother, if you're in a distant country and you're partying and hanging out with, with bad people, listen, you usually know that there are problems in your life. But you can be the older brother and not even realize it. Not even realize that because you're doing all the outwardly, all the right things, that you're not close to the Father anymore. So if you are (laughs) struggling with the older brother syndrome, here's what I want you to hear today. The Father loves you too. He has never stopped loving you As I said, just like the father went out to reach the younger son, he went out to seek the older brother too. He went out and and he pleaded with him. And if you look at the father's words, verse 31, he says, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. And in in the Greek, in that verse, verse 31, when he's talking to the older brother, it's a different word for son. It's not the same word that's used anywhere else in this parable. He doesn't use this word even with the younger brother. It's a word, it's not even, doesn't really mean son. It's a word, you would translate it, my dear little child. My dear child. So let me just tell you, if you're... Um, if your obedience to God and your service to God has just it's grown into a sense of duty, obligation, I'm doing my right thing, and, and there's no joy anymore, I want you to hear the Father saying to you today, you're my dear child. I don't care about the work you do for me. I just, you're my dear child. Won't you come and sit next to me at the banquet? He loves the older brother too. So the Father loves all his children, all the time. Amen. There's a, there's a song I love. It, one, some of the words say this, we are his portion and he is our prize, drawn to redemption through the grace in his eyes. If God's grace is the ocean, we're all sinking, right? Like, we're in the deep end. We'll never, ever touch the bottom of God's love for us. So he loves us. Let me, let me end with this. Do um, you know how much the Lord loves you? Do you know how much he loves you? Um, in, in the parable, when the father says to the older son, verse 31, when he says to him, everything I have is yours. That wasn't just kind of some poetic flourish. <laughs> Technically, that was true. I mean, the younger son, he had, he had already used up all of his part of the inheritance, so now everything left in the estate Technically, it all belonged to the older son. So, so when he says, everything I have is yours, that was the truth. And you can kind of see why the older brother was mad about the party, because that party had to cost a lot of money, right? The fattened calf, the hired musicians, everything going on. That's all coming out of his inheritance. That's all on his dime. I don't know if you've ever been out on the interstate and you see that, you know, the big recreational vehicles, the RVs. People drive them. It's like you're basically driving a a house down the road, right? The big Winnebago's. Those are very expensive. The gas, the insurance. Just to buy, I Googled this, to buy a new Winnebago is over $100,000. So when you see somebody driving in that, they're they're spending a lot of money on that vacation. And once in a while, you'll see one of these big RVs out on the interstate and the bumper sticker, like there's an older couple driving. The bumper, have you ever seen this? The bumper sticker says, we're spending our kids' inheritance, right? (laughs) 
When the father threw the party for the younger son, he was spending the older son's inheritance. And you could see why he was a little mad. It's like, I, why should I share my inheritance with someone who wasted their own? You want to know how much the Lord loves you? Would you like to know? Listen, church, when we turned our backs on God, and we did that as a, as, a, as a race, the whole human race, we turned our back on God, and we've all done that as individuals. When we turned our backs on God and chose a path of sin, we wasted our entire inheritance, gone. And when our elder brother came into this world, <laughs> he stood up and he said to anyone and everyone who would come to him, I know you wasted your inheritance. Come to me. I'll gladly share everything I have with you, my whole kingdom with you. He loves us. Let's pray. Father, I pray today for any of us who are standing at arm's length from your love, Whichever brother in this parable we, we identify with, I feel like both of them sometimes, God. What, whatever it is that's holding us from your love, I pray that you would right now that the invitation of your love for Christ would be so overwhelming that you would just, you would draw us to yourself. That everyone here in new and fresh ways today would say, Father, I come home. I want to be with you. Do that for us. We need you to do that for us. In Christ's name, amen.